0: Hi, everyone. I'm John Shea of the San Francisco Chronicle, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Our guest is Farhan Zaidi, the Giants president of baseball operations, and he shares in our wide-ranging discussion his thoughts on manager Gabe Kapler. We'll touch on the Dodgers series, the fast starts by Mike Estremski and Donovan Solano, the slow starts by Hunter Pence and Pablo Sandoval, and what's up with Joey Bart. Enjoy it. Well, thanks for joining me, Farhan. Uh, how are you doing these days? Hey, doing well. Thanks, John. wanted to ask you, first of all, your impressions so far. I mean, the offense has been impressive in, in many ways, including the ability to come back from early deficits, never a good thing, but uh, the rotation wasn't all that efficient early on, um, you know, and then lately with Cueto and, and Gosman in, in LA, uh, very promising. Um, the defense has has been down, obviously, leading the majors in errors, and uh, there's some fundamental issues. But uh, you know, there's been good and bad. And as we sit here, the Giants are seven and ten. So I just wanted to ask uh, early impressions. So, well, we're at the quarter we're at the quarter point, so it's not that early, I guess. In 16. yeah, no,
1: very much so. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's been a mixed bag. There's been things we've been really encouraged by. Certainly, like you mentioned. Uh, the offense uh the offense overall but also the resiliency of the offense to come back in in certain scenarios obviously Solano and Yaz have have done an amazing job um you know put up huge numbers and gotten a lot of big hits for us um you know defensively look we're we're not a team that has a ton of team speed we're not going to have a ton of range in the field but um I think you know, an aspect of the defense that's been uh, a little disappointing and has, you know, shown up in some uh, uh, big times in certain games is, you know, some of the fundamentals you look up and down our roster, we've got a lot of really sound veteran defenders um, who, you know, will make plays consistency consistently in the field. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, in a couple of spots, uh, the defense has bitten us a little bit. And, you know, to your point on the pitching staff, the rotation is really coming together. Gosman's start in L.A., like you mentioned, was phenomenal. And, and Johnny re- really battled and, and did a great job keeping that offense off balance. And and again, you know, those would be impressive starts against any team. But, you know, a lineup like that, it's particularly impressive and, um, obviously, Logan Webb's done a really nice job for us, and as those guys kind of get stretched out more, and and you know we're able to build up their pitch counts, I see them taking on more of the load, which I think will um, help alleviate a little bit of what the bullpen's you know done and had to do so far this year. We've got a younger bullpen, and I think we kind of need to get in a position where we can protect them a little bit, and so I, we're, we're clearly moving in that direction, and there's a lot of positive signs on the pitching staff as well.
0: You mentioned Mike Yastrzemski, Donovan, Solano. Wow, I mean, too bad there's no all-star game for these guys this year. They've been on fire. I mean, Yaz earning the everyday status after proving himself last year, including reverse splits and all this defense anywhere yeah. you put him, and Solano pretty much hit his way into the everyday role this year. I mean, What what, what do you say about them in particular? And who gets the credit for uh, fighting these guys? Obviously, you dealt for Yostramski. You brought in Solano. uh, But, I mean, there's there's a larger crew involved too, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would say the credit goes to these players because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were sort of in a situation where, um, you know, pretty much any organization in baseball probably could have acquired them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the fact that they, you know, took on the challenge ahead of them and have both improved in, in really measurable ways. Um, I, I really think the credit goes to these guys and, you know, not only are they doing a great job carrying the offense, but they're, they're kind of an example of, I think the way we want our team and roster to operate, which is, it's sort of a meritocracy. I mean, these guys don't necessarily have pedigree, but, you know, they they earned a spot on the roster. Um, you know, we actually, you know, Platoon, he yes, some um, last year, as hard as that is to believe. And certainly Solano started off in a Platoon role, but they both demonstrated that, um, you know, when you make the most of your opportunities, there's an, a chance for that role to grow. So I think those guys are, you know, great models as we go through this season. And other guys get opportunities that... Um, you know, you can expand your role and get more of an opportunity if you're able to take advantage of the opportunity that you given.
0: Well, the optics didn't look all that great over the weekend. Uh, you could have beaten the Dodgers two of three at least. Uh, uh, but just wanted to ask about Gabe Kapler. Okay, first year in San Francisco, two years in Philly. He's replacing the legend, obviously, Bochy, heading to the Hall of Fame. But the pitching moves over the weekend, if I may, uh, you know, Friday, Samarja, 81 pitches through four. He gave up the three homers and then um, went back out there hit a guy, hit a hit a couple guys walked a guy and then came out and went on the injured list the next day with the shoulder but in Ecuto the next day five hit lists and then that ball f- uh, falls behind hunter Pence uh, um, first hit and then you know we found out later it was a toe blister that was bothering him but still he was in to face Turner who hits the three run homer Giants win, but, you know, great relief. Uh, and then Sunday, you know, Gosman, electric stuff, 80 pitches. Yeah. Uh, one batter into the seventh, he comes out. Um, the stuff was still there, it seemed. Rogers came in, second straight day, after a great two-inning Saturday. And Pollock, he faced two straight days, hit the home run, and Giants lose. But, you know, and also the mound visit mistake, which he owned up to uh, as yeah. a mental screw-up. But your observations, especially with fans um, maybe not too happy with some of the moves, uh, you know, through the first couple
1: of weeks. Right. I I, I think that's a, a kind of fair description of what happened over the weekend. And I, I do think it kind of demonstrates that Abe is under the microscope a little bit. And look, let's face it, you um, you know, when, when you uh, make a pinch hit move, you know, even the best pinch hitter in the world is going to making out 60, 65% of the time. And, you know, does that mean that you were wrong to make the move? You know, that, that I think, you know, remains a question. And uh, on the pitching side, when, when you take a pitcher out, a reliever comes in and, uh, you know, gives up the big homer or, or gives up a couple of base runners, you know, it's hard to know what the pitcher that was in the game would have done. It's hard to know how the rest of the game would have unfolded. But, you know, I, I think Gabe's under a little bit of a microscope Um, because of some of what you alluded to in Philadelphia, and also the fact that this is a roster that um, is going to have to be managed pretty actively. Uh, You know, we've got, um, you know, on the position player side, we've got some platoons that have actually been productive for us. And, you know, like we talked about with Solano and Yaz, the guys have the opportunity to earn more playing time. But uh, the platoons have worked well for us in, in a lot of cases. And on the pitching side, certainly early in the year, There's more of a burden on the bullpen, like we talked about. I think that's going to be eased going forward. But, um, you know, some of that has resulted in going to the bullpen, I think, before you would necessarily want to do it in a perfect world. And and kind of just to talk about each of the three scenarios over the weekend, you know, with Sharp, we had no indication of of any kind of injury, shoulder-related-wise, going into that game. And uh, obviously, he didn't... uh, have his best stuff he was kind of fighting his way through it I know that uh Gabe and Shark have had conversations about Shark wanting the ball and wanting to go deep into games and frankly in that situation um you know I know that Krueger and Kipe talked about it on the broadcast like at some point you know, you're in the first game of a three-game series against the, the Dodgers you've got to go to Houston and play three more after that against a tough lineup and You know, whoever your starter is in that first game, even if he falls behind, he's probably got to eat up outs and, uh, and save the bullpen a little bit. So I think that was the thought process on shark, you know, the Cueto one, uh, you know, frankly, I think it was a tough call because, uh, you know, uh, in a lot of ways, Cueto still had a no hitter (laughs) when he gave up that homer, uh, to Turner and he certainly pitched to Bellinger carefully, um uh in walking him but he had just gotten you know mookie bets out gotten a big out there so um you know i think that was another case of a a veteran guy who you know has had conversations with a manager about wanting the ball wanting to get through innings and get the big out and look ultimately it's still a judgment call and you leave a guy in and he gives up a homer and and you're going to be uh judged for that that's that's the gig of being a major league manager and then yesterday with gosman um you know i i think that was, as much as anything, just a vote of confidence in the bullpen, you know, recognizing the job that Rogers had done the day before. And I, I know people will make the point, well, they'd seen him a lot. He's a submarine guy. Um, but, you know, he was also one pitch away from uh, getting out of uh, that inning. And if that last curveball had had a little more break on it, you know, we're probably not having this conversation. Hmm. But, um, you know, I think our big takeaway is – You know, Gosman, over the last two starts, has shown really impressive start uh, stuff. Uh, The stuff we saw from him yesterday is, I think, as well as he's thrown the ball in his career. And So I think that'll certainly earn him, uh, you know, more rope and the chance to go deeper into games going forward.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure, and obviously you beat Kershaw on Saturday, Slater, two home runs. Mm -hmm. Yaz hit one, a rare by a lefty. Mm -hmm. But I guess it goes without saying you totally support Gabe Kapler, stand by him. you're all in on him being the guy to bring the giants into the new era.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we've discussed, we, you know, we we have a roster that's going to, you know, uh, require some active management and and that puts the manager under the microscope. I mean, you look at some of the wins that we've had this year and he's done a great job navigating, um, you know, some late inning situations and really helped uh, win some games for us and, you know, sometimes you get your hand caught in the cookie jar. That's what happens when you go to the bullpen. So um, you know, I, I think the big thing, John, as as we sit here is we're seven and ten. We could have easily won one or two more games, if not more, you know, feel like we should have a better record than than we do. And I think that's an indication of our optimism going forward. But, you know, as the old Bill Parcell's quote goes, you know, you are what you your record <laughs> says you are. Right now we're seven and ten, <laughs> so we have some work to do.
0: Yeah, sure. Now um, Hunter Pence, Pablo Sandoval, five titles between them, uh, team leaders, very likable people uh, among teammates, among fans, um, I'm sure management. But, um, uh, you, you know, you're trying to get younger guys playing time. How long of a leash might these two folks have uh, going forward? Because their batting average is not indicative of their career marks.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's a tough one in a, in a shortened season like this where – You know, these guys have 30 at-bats, but like you said, we're past the quarter mark of the season. So how do you balance those two things? Um, And, you know, I think you're seeing some adjustments as the season goes on. You know, Wilmer Flores was a guy who initially we viewed maybe playing a little bit more against left-handed pitching, but has done a nice job and his role has expanded. And, um, you know, he's going to be in there more against righties, you know um and other guys who are struggling maybe their roles get reduced a little bit as as a result i mean to your point those guys are great in the clubhouse um you know i think we're we're still seeing signs of them you know pablo had a couple good at bats yesterday worked a walk, um hunter um you know had a nice uh, single to right field uh in, in the game uh on saturday so um you know w- we're seeing some positives um but to your point, you know, it's it's getting relatively deep into the season. And, you know, at some point, I think Cap, the hitting group, you know, and the entire coaching staff is going to feel like we've kind of got to go with the hot
0: hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of positives, you, you pulled off two recent trades uh, Sunday with the White Sox. Uh, uh, Luis Pasabe who's an outfielder of many uh, talents, number 11 prospects with, with with them. And it said that, you know, he might be, among the top 20 with you. Good defender, speed, power, uh, big home run in the Futures game off a 102-mile-per-hour pitch. Uh, and that's in the wake of another trade when you sent Billy Hamilton to the Mets for the pitcher, Jordan Humphreys. I mean, these are possible impact guys of the future, right? I mean, these uh, the the fan base has been was pretty impressed, I think, with these two trades. Uh, could you speak of them?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, we... We we've talked about it. I mean, we are in a position where, especially with a short season with 16 teams making the playoffs, uh, we really want to keep our eye on the present. And to your point, you know, we've got guys like Pablo and Hunter who are on one-year deals, and they're just here to help us win games right now. I mean, there's no, um, you know, it, it's all about the present with them. But you know, at the same time, we have to keep, uh, you know, our eyes open for opportunities that that may develop to acquire. Guys like Humphreys and, and Basabe. And frankly, some of that is just coming from the roster constraints that teams are facing trying to get through this season. You know, with a 40-man roster, we've had a lot of injuries. You're dealing with a 60-man player pool as opposed to just having, you know, uh, you know, dozens of players available in the minor leagues. So, um I think that's creating some opportunities, which we're going to keep our our eyes open for. And, uh, you know, hopefully these guys can help us in in the future. Basabe in particular is a guy who's been a top 100 prospect, who had a really good season in 2018, battled some injuries last year. And, you know, to White Sox credit, they've done an amazing job developing young outfield talent. Luis Roberts, some of the other guys that they have. And that made Basabe expendable in their organization, Um, Whereas, you know, he he could get a real opportunity with us. So certainly excited to have him.
0: You're listening to Farhan Zaidi on Giant Splash. After this quick break, I'll ask about Joey Barton. Stay tuned.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: We couldn't have a podcast without a Joey Bart question. (laughs) (laughs) And I understand Joey and Patrick Bailey aren't just catch, catching in Sacramento, but also playing some first base. How has that been going? Uh, and is it because Posey's coming back next year, and this is a way to get one or both of those in the lineup next year?
1: Right. Uh, it's, it's um, you know, there's certainly a lot of, uh, of factors at play. And, um, you know, the, the, the first and foremost thing, just focusing on, on Joey, is just his development and making sure that when we push the button, um, it, you know, he's ready. And, you know, I've, I've spoken about this some publicly. You look at guys like, you know, Mookie Betts and, and Mike Trout, and those guys had five 600 at-bats in, in double-A, triple-A. Um, you know, I think back to when I was in L.A., you know, some of the, uh, you know, call-up decisions that we face with guys like Corey seager and and cody bellinger you know those guys had you know six seven hundred at bats at the double a and triple a level before we called them up and even at that point we were wondering whether it was the right time so it's not joey's fault i mean he battled injuries last year and unfortunately with what we're facing this year um you know i still view him as getting important reps because he's facing You know, good pitching in Sacramento. We've got guys like Derek Rodriguez and Andrew Suarez. Those guys are with the taxi squad right now. But you know, he had the opportunity to face those guys as well as other guys that are AAA, big league pitchers. Um, And I think those are valuable reps. And you know, I've heard uh, you know a little bit of the rallying cry, like, "What do we have to lose?" And and what we have to lose is you know putting Joey Bart on uh, a career path that doesn't allow him to get the most out of his ability. What we have to lose is uh, calling him up, you know, maybe a little too early, having him struggle, having that impact his confidence. And, um, you know, that's the last thing we want to do. And frankly, we would rather be, you know, a little bit late on calling him up than a little bit early on calling him up. And, uh, you know, that is not to suggest that we have any (laughs) notion of what the right time is, you know, that we're waiting for a certain date or that we wouldn't do it by a certain time uh, but we're just continuing to collect information. And, and as much as anything, you want to feel like when you call him up, it's absolutely the right time. And if he starts out 0 for 12 or you 0 know, for 20, no one's going to say, hey, did we call this guy up too early? We're going to feel like this is the right time, and we're just going to keep mm-hmm. running him out there. And uh, when we get to that point, we'll we'll see him up here.
0: Yeah, in the meantime, I think uh, we might have put to rest the thought that the Giants were holding him back for service time issues to get that extra year because that seven days have come in gone a long time ago but uh uh anyway um speaking of sacramento you you uh made a point i mean the great thing about a minor league season is facing so many other teams and so many other kinds of pitchers but i'm just i've always wondered about this how can the hitters you're mentioning and all the others benefit at these uh, alternative uh uh, alternate uh, alternative sites when they keep seeing the same pitchers over and over
1: right i mean i Look, I, I guess that's sort of how we really prepared for the season. Our inter-squad games were yeah. sort of the same thing. Um, I still think it's meaningful any time, you know, you're facing, you know, AAA, Major League caliber pitching on a day-in, day-out basis. I mean, you know, we've got a, a number of guys down there. You're not going to be facing the same pitcher or pitchers every day. So I, I think there's some variety. And look, every at-bat is different every time you face, you um, uh, You know, uh, somebody like a Derek Rodriguez, he's going to throw different pitches. He's going to sequence you differently. Um, And you know, as we know, there's just no substitute for that. It's not like batting practice. It's not like hitting off of a pitching machine. Uh, To be able to face quality major league pitching on a day in day out basis is is the is the best way for guys to develop and get over the final hump of of being at the big league level. So I think the, the the point that you raise is valid, but look at some level even at the major league level and certainly in a year like this year where we're so where we're playing the same teams over and over again it's a very regional schedule like we're seeing the same pitchers over and over again a decent amount too so uh it's all relative
0: well I, i can't help but notice that there have been um no postponed games in the national league west or american league all the postponed games have been in the central and the east i mean the cardinals and marlins have been a mess and I mean, does it signify anything about how careful you have been in these other teams in the West? I mean, I applaud the Giants for continuing with their schedule and not uh, getting caught up like so many Marlins and Cardinals did uh, because that really costs the team, the organization, and the fan base.
1: Yeah, you know, it's such a tough environment out there because – you know, I have friends uh, who have, you know, contracted the virus. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, people that have it, sure. even people that are being really careful, you know, and and not doing anything they're not supposed to do. I mean, I know people that, you know, haven't really been out of the house and somehow they got it, whether it was from a piece of mail or, um, hmm. you know, who, who knows? So I, I try, you know, I, for, for me personally, I try not to be critical of any player or organization um, that 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 you know, has had this sprout up because let's face it, it's just ubiquitous in society right now. And, you know, there, the, it, it, it doesn't, you know, have to be a situation where someone necessarily did something wrong. I mean, that said, I, I think we're all really proud of our players, our staff, how careful they've been, how seriously they're taking this, um, you know, the leadership of the team, Austin Slater, our player rep, um, you know, I think they have the right perspective about this, which is, Look, we know that some of this is out of our hands, but everything that's in our hands, we're going to do the right way. Um, And that's really carried throughout our organization. We've, um, you know, instituted family testing, um, you know, employee testing, even beyond what's required by Major League Baseball. um, And, uh, you know, just feel like a lot of those measures, you know, it's, it's it's a credit to our ownership who have, you know, encouraged us to... Invest in in testing it and make sure our environment is as safe as possible.
0: Sure, uh, Farhan, you you've been very vocal supporting the Black Lives movement. Uh, we've seen and read your statements. We see and hear your words on the scoreboard before every game, along with Kapler's and uh, Jalen Davis's, Yostremsky's, uh, uh, Rennell's. Um, why do you feel the need to be expressive?
1: You know, uh, there's a there's obviously some um, broader things going on in society um, that, you know, I'm happy to comment on. But, you know, as, as much as anything, you know, I, I guess I'll harken back to the Bill Parcells quote, you know, you are what your record says you are. I mean, you can say this in the realm of diversity as well. When you look at the number of African-American players that we have at the major league level, the amount of African-American managers coaches front office people Um, you know we can (laughs) trot out every excuse in the book about why that is but you are what your record says you are and as an industry you know we have to do better and so that's uh where you know some of these stick to sports stuff doesn't resonate with me because Mm -hmm. you know we're a big industry and and you know we have a really important place in society and i think we have to get our own house in order um and that's why you know, I'm proud to be a member of the Giants organization that, to your point, is making our support for the Black Lives Matter movement very visible. Um, You know, and then from a broader societal perspective, you know, I would say the same thing, that, you know, there's a clear need for change in society for a greater sense of uh, racial justice. And, um, you know, I've learned that, you know, when you're in a position of leadership and you have a voice, you you have a responsibility to speak up. And, you know, some of the comments that I've made over the last couple of months, I've been surprised by, you know, some of the feedback I've gotten, you know, recognizing how important it's been to people to hear me speak out, people in the Giants organization, other friends that I have or, or acquaintances from around the game. And it just makes you realize uh, the responsibility that you have, even, even more than you would realize. I mean, I've made this comment before, um, you know, certain things that might have happened in the past, you know, that I found troubling. I might have just texted a couple of friends and said, hey, this is terrible. Did you see this? Um, you know, but then we're just all operating in our own echo chambers. And And, you know, I think we all in the society that we're in right now and some of the challenges that we're facing have a responsibility to speak up beyond those individual echo chambers.
0: Right. And, you know, we've seen the numbers, the players, uh, uh, African-Americans, you know, 8%, a little bit north of that, at least on the opening day roster last year, you know, 19% in 1995. I mean, two managers, Dusty Baker, Dave Roberts, uh, uh, Major League Baseball is doing some things, the youth initiatives, the RBI program. Uh, you know, I've interviewed Tony Regans and Tyrone Brooks, both hired by MLB to, to help bring in more African-Americans at different levels, Um Um, But, you you know, particularly the Giants, I mean, you did interview African-Americans to be your general manager and manager. I mean, just Mm -hmm. off the top of my head, Billy Owens and Will Venable, for instance. I mean, they're qualified. They're good. They're still looking for for those gigs. Uh, Why aren't we seeing more decision decision makers at, at, at the higher levels in baseball, including on the Giants? And, I mean, why don't the Giants have that presence uh, in in upper management, or for that matter, even on the coaching staff, which is very diverse, otherwise,
1: right, right. Uh, you know, I, you know, think back to that process, the GM process, the manager process, and for us, it was important that we had multiple, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, diversity candidates, um, and that this wasn't just, you know, uh, checking the box next to oh, we we, you know. We interviewed one African-American person for this job and, and one for that job. Um, so uh, that was important to us in, in the process. I mean, you know, we have prioritized becoming more diverse as a baseball operations group. Uh, that certainly includes, you know, not just increasing the number of African-Americans in, in prominent positions, but the number of women as well, the, you know, uh, uh, other uh, groups and people of color, are all really important initiatives for us. And Mm -hmm. again, I, I, you know, we we hear this a lot, but there's great resolve in this organization to do better. And I think to your point, John, uh, one thing that's been a, um, you know, hallmark of the giants organization, um, and, and a real positive has been the stability of the leadership. We've had a lot of people in leadership positions for, for long periods of time. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's one reason why diversity is not maybe as reflected in our leadership. But I know all the way to the top of the organization, to you know Greg Johnson and Rob Dean, this is a priority. And you know, for Larry and myself as well, we're, we're certainly going to make it a priority going forward.
0: Okay, maybe a couple of more. Um, I mean, the, you're coming up here facing the Houston Astros. I mean, they're yeah. a different league, but uh, you were with the Dodgers in '17, the World Series, seven games and. You had personal stake in that series. Uh, what, what is your thought about the Astros' uh, scandal, including in regard to the years you were with the Dodgers where it kind of made a difference?
1: Can we just go back to talking about Joey Bart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I um, you know, look, it, it's tough. I, I would echo a lot of, you know what dodgers players have have said which is that you you look back i mean that was a a heart-wrenching loss you know um uh you know in 2017 uh i think it was one of the best world series ever played it went to seven games there was a lot of close games there was a lot of drama um and you know you you you're always going to have that what if in your head you know um and, uh, that, that part of it is, is tough. And obviously for me, I've left the organization, uh, you know, so that kind of chapter is closed for me. And I think for, there's actually a good number of guys that are still with the Dodger organization. And I know that they're continuing to aspire to win the world series. And I think that might help them get some closure on it, but you know, for, any of us that were there and are no longer there, I think it's maybe even a tougher pill to swallow. So, you know, I know as an industry we've turned the page on it, um, and I think MLB's done a really amazing job, especially in light of uh, the pandemic and and some of the issues that we have logistically in ballparks right now. Uh, feel very confident that this kind of thing isn't happening anymore, and and that's really important. But you know, I would be lying if I said that you know personally you didn't. I didn't see all that news coming out, and um, you know, just feel like you know you you were maybe you you were you were maybe cheated out of something. And it's a tough pill to swallow.
0: Mm-hmm. After the Astros, you play the A's, and you were in that <laughs> organization for for a long time. and That's how I got to know you many yeah. years ago. And I mean, you were there through the end of '14, and you know, on your watch, and Billy's, and David Force, everybody's watch. Yeah. I mean, Matt Olson. Uh, from the 2012 draft uh, Chad Pender and Sean Manaya from the 2013 draft and Matt Chapman from the 2014 draft then you go to the Dodgers and you're there four years but you know there was a trade made with uh, Frankie montas uh, heading from <clears throat> LA to Oakland you know the Rich Hill Josh Reddick deal so you have an attachment to, to a lot of the key players <laughs> on that team and of course um, with Billy bean and David force so many others it's a stable team uh, organization over there so i wanted to just ask you how how much you follow the team um uh wh- what do you think of the 2020 a's uh, they yeah. they they win every day uh, even when they brawl, <laughs> and uh <laughs> and how do they keep doing it uh with, with, with that budget
1: <laughs> yeah i mean again uh, you know we talked about the stability of the giants organization it's certainly true with the a's too you know you may know that billy's uh longtime assistant, um, uh, Betty Shinoda recently retired and uh, you know I got invited to her retirement party and I went and you know I had a chance to um, you know and this is obviously pre pre-March pre-COVID but hmm. had a chance to you know meet a lot of uh, people that I worked with the A's like you said I left there in 2014 six years ago now yeah, but wow. uh, it's just a really stable organization and look I, I It's amazing how well the A's are playing and how sort of quietly they're doing it. I mean, I know you're talking about it. We're talking about it in the Bay Area. But, um, you know, I think it just goes to show that, you know, the success that, you know, Billy David Bob Melvin, the group there, has, I think it goes a little bit underappreciated with the challenges they face. So uh, it's been fun. I know it's going to be a challenge for us next week when we face them, because you're right, they do seem to win every day. But <laughs> um, that's, that's you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun bragging rights uh, series for the Bay Area in general. And, uh, you know, for my personal relationships with Billy and David and the other guys there, it's certainly uh, going to be the same kind of stakes involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I lied. Let me just throw one more in, if I could. Sure. uh Bruce Jenkins wrote over the weekend, uh, kind of campaigning to to keep those um, keep the wall closed out there in right field at the ballpark. The ball seems to yeah. travel a little better. If indeed that's a reason, the ball travels a little better. But w- yeah. would that be a consideration? I know the Knott Hill Gang is is quite popular out there. But do you think it affects yeah. the wind patterns and therefore the the flight of the ball or? And, and and could that be on the table for, for leaving them? Yeah, next year?
1: I, I mean, I, again, don't really want to speak out of turn ballpark kind of decisions uh, or you know, a lot of people would be involved in those. But to answer the question, it's certainly a plausible theory for me. But I think about, you know, we, we made a number of changes to the ballpark, obviously putting the bullpens out in center field. Um, you know, I think anytime you change structurally the configuration of the ballpark, you know, wind patterns are so complicated; it's really hard to know how things are going to uh, um, uh, be affected. So, if 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 some wind pattern expert came in and said putting the bullpens in this in center field has increased the carry, you know, out to right field, I, I would believe it. I, I, mm-hmm. None of us really know any better. So, I think between the you know changes we made in center field you know not having fans in the park who knows how that affects uh, affects things in the air dynamics um uh, so i think that could be due to a number of factors but i think we're open to anything i mean certainly i know our players have been very happy to see some of that carry out to right field and hopefully we can take advantage of it in these home games we have coming
0: up well Farhan, thank you so much for this and thanks for your honesty and willingness to address all these topics i much appreciate absolutely I wanted to again thank Farhan Zaidi for joining us on the Giant Splash podcast. Henry Schulman and I will continue bringing you podcasts as we venture deeper into the 2020 season.
1: The Giant Splash is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Podcast producers are King Kaufman and Alan Johnson. The theme song, Batter Up, was written and performed by Lauren Gold and Ray Eastless. Support The Splash and all of our great journalism by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod.